Well, we want to welcome you to Church United. For those of you who are new, my name's Rob Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Church United. We are so excited that you chose to be with us tonight. We have some good word for you. How many of you like to get built up in the word? Now, it's like you're coming for a workout. How many of you brought your Bibles? See, your Bible's like your weights. All right, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get in the Word. It's going to build me up. Well, we are excited again for you being here. Those of you watching online, thank you for being a part of the service. I want to start out with a story about a Sunday school teacher. She asked the children in her class, if I sold my house and my car and a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would I get into heaven? No, the children all answered. What if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, kept everything neat and tidy? Would I get into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well, she continued, then how can I get into heaven? In the back of the room, a five-year-old boy shouted, you got to be dead. Tonight, we are going to continue with the series, Guarding Against Goofiness. This is part three. If you haven't heard uh, the first two parts, you can go online and you can listen to them. But what we've been talking about is the fact that there's a lot of false doctrines, extremes, and imbalances going on in the church. And as a result of it, people are gravitating toward goofy. And sometimes we will actually mask or disguise these things as movements of the Holy Spirit when they're actually movements of the flesh. We define goofy this way, to be crazy, ridiculous, mildly ludicrous, to be silly. Now, it is our responsibility as pastors and shepherds of the flock to warn you against entering into things that might be dangerous. That is one of the jobs of a shepherd, of a pastor. Unfortunately, I've seen some pastors who are actually leading the sheep into danger instead of warning them against it. So what I want to do through the series is to help you so that you don't get involved in goofiness, that everything we do is sticking to the Word of God. Satan is a master deceptor, and he will do everything he can to sway you from the Word. And he'll do that through emotionalism, through feelings. Listen, God created us with emotion. He created us with feelings, but that's not what we're supposed to be chasing after. We need to stick with the Word of God. I remember a story... uh, of Kenneth Hagan, who was a minister. He's passed from here now. Uh, but he was in the car, and someone had picked him up from the airport. And all of a sudden, Kenneth Hagan goes, Woo! Did you feel that? And the guy who was driving is thinking, Yeah, this is Kenneth Hagan. Like, I, I don't feel anything, but obviously he does. Like, if I say I don't, he's going to think I'm not spiritual. But finally, he said, I got to tell you the truth, I didn't. And Kenneth Hagin said, neither did I. He was testing him. You know, a lot of times people will ask you, hey, did you feel a move of God? 
Now listen again, I, I felt the Holy Spirit while we were worshiping tonight. But regardless of whether I tangibly feel the Holy Spirit, maybe you didn't. All right? We don't base it on our feelings. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, he is in the midst. Guess what? We have more than two or three. So guess who's here? Jesus. He's here. He's watching. He's observing, regardless of our feelings. Now, if I mention something that I consider goofy, and you have done this in your lifetime, don't get offended and think, I'm never coming back to church. Pastor thinks I'm goofy. All right, again, I mentioned this last week. As children, we do silly things. If we're not properly trained, then we will gravitate towards some things. But we should learn as we mature. So we want to help you stay on the course. Go over to 1 Timothy 4.1. This is the foundational text of this series. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times or the last days, we are in the last days. In fact, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven, the last days began. So they began over 2,000 years ago. Now it says in the last days, some, everyone say some, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. So in the last days, some will depart from the faith. They will be distracted from the word of God, and will gravitate toward, according to this, deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. I don't want any of you to be included in the group, some departing from the faith. People do it. People do it. I've seen people who were on fire for God, knew the word of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit and then wandered off to a complete, just turned their back on God, had enough, want to try something new. Now let's look at new stuff tonight. Go over to 1 Corinthians 14.40. 1 Corinthians 14.40. It says, let all, everyone say all, let all things be done decently and in order. This is talking about how we operate in the church. So while we're operating in a church service, it says let all things be done decently and in order. That means it's not a chaotic frenzy. People don't just do whatever they want. There is a certain order and a structure to what we do. And here is where we can get off. Anything done to the excess can create a spiritual mess. Let me say that again. Anything done to an excess can create a spiritual mess. So there are things that can take place in church that are not goofy in themselves, but we can take it to an extreme and it can become goofy. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32. I want to read this from the CEB version. 
It says the spirits of the prophets are under the control of the prophets. The spirits of the prophets are under the control of the prophets. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit will never violate your will. I've heard of some people who have done crazy things in church, and I couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit came upon me. No, according to this, the Holy Spirit cannot force you to do anything against your will. You have control. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was in a church, and we were having some revival meetings, and the pastor got up. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was in the meeting, and the pastor got up, and he was preaching, and I felt like the Holy Spirit say, go up and pray for the pastor. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> he's doing the service. I'm not like walking up and interrupting. Second time, strong, go up and pray for the pastor. I'm like, not happening. Choose somebody else. And then there was a third time. It was so strong. Go up and pray for the pastor. And I said, listen, I'm not doing it. All right? There's no way I'm getting up and I'm interrupting a service. Not happening. Ten seconds later, the pastor stops and he says, Rob, come up here. And I'm thinking, oh, he wants to bless me. Because I've just been disobedient to the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to bless me. He says, the Holy Spirit is telling me that you need to pray for me. Now, here's what I want you to see from that. I had control not to do that if I didn't want. There wasn't this power that, oh, I got to do it. But as a minister, I understand the context of how a service goes. But obviously, the Holy Spirit really wanted me to pray for that man. That also taught me how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we think it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And then we find out that it was the uh, tombstone pizza we ate the day before. Oh, that pizza can speak a lot to you. All right, what I want to go through now is I want to look at some different movements of the Holy Spirit that take place in a church service that by themselves, they are legitimate, but they can become goofy. Are you guys with me? All right, so let's look at a couple things. Let's look at something that we call being slain in the Spirit. Now, some of you may have no idea what that is. You may have seen it on TV. You may have seen it uh, mocked or goofy. But being slain in the Spirit is when people come up for a prayer line, hands are laid upon them, and they fall over. And that by itself could look goofy to an outsider. You think, well, that is really goofy. But the Bible talks about that. Let's look at a couple scriptures because I want you to see this in the Word. In Acts 9... Verses 3 and 4 from the CEB version. It says, During the journey, this is speaking of Paul, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? So here's Paul falls to the ground. Let's look at another case. John 18, 4 through 6. 
John 18, 4 through 6. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered and said, Jesus of Nazareth. This is actually, he has risen from the dead. They're looking for him. They're wondering where he is. Jesus said unto him, unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as they, as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. So people think there's no scripture for this. But I'm giving you scripture. Bible says, let everything be uh, established by two or three scriptures. Look at Revelation 117. Revelation 117. John speaking here. It says, and when I saw him, speaking of Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. So we see here, Biblical recordings that the phrase we use to describe this being slain in the Spirit is a legitimate biblical thing. But as I said, anything that is true taken to an excess can get goofy. Now, people ask, well, why do people fall? I've been in meetings, a lot of meetings, prayed for people, and I explain this before I pray for people. People ask, why do people fall? I have a very simple answer, because I can't stand up. See, when heaven touches earth, something has to give. And the power of God is so explosive that sometimes it just knocks people over. Now, again, you can resist that. I've had people that I'm praying for them, and they take the stand. I don't care what happens. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. And they are just going to stand there. Well, you can choose to do that. Again, the Holy Spirit is not going to force anything upon you, but you might be missing out on something that God wants to do. I like to explain it this way. When you're laid out on the ground, it's like God has put you on the operating table and he wants to do surgery on you. So you're either going to be open to it or not. Now listen, I don't care whether you fall over or not when I pray for you. It does not change my faith. It does not alter my belief in God. It really has nothing to do with me. All I ask you to do is simply be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. Now, Bob, since you walked up here, come here for a minute. Now, I have heard people say this to me. When people are falling over, you're just pushing them over. The minister is pushing them over. Have you ever heard that? Now, I just pushed him with great force. Guess what? He didn't fall over. Right. So here's the thing. I'm not going to fake it. And again, I'm not going to force you to go down either. I have prayed for people and not even touched them. And they went down. I remember one service, I was doing some uh, revival means, I forget the city, but toward the end of the service, 
the back doors open, and the back doors went right outside. It would be like those doors go right out into the street. And all of a sudden, they opened it up, and someone comes running down to the altar and says, I need to be saved. Well, I prayed with him. He got saved. I said, lift up your hands, close your eyes. I laid my hands on him. He went over. He didn't know anything about that. He's never seen that before. So again, there is a legitimacy to it. But again, it can be taken to an extreme where it gets goofy. I've seen some ministers who are very heavy-handed, they're laying hands on someone's head, and it's almost like they're, they're pushing their head back so far trying to get them to go down. It's like they're a Pez dispenser, and they're expecting candy to come out. All right, that's not God. Again, I don't want to force someone to experience something that is not legitimate. My wife and I went to a meeting once. And I had seen this on TV. Maybe you've seen some ministers where there's a crowd of people and they just wave their hand and the whole section goes down. All right, I had never experienced that before. And I am open to anything. But again, I'm not going to fake something. So my wife and I are in this meeting. We are actually in the front row of all places. And this minister is ministering. We have our eyes closed. I'm like, Lord, I'm open to whatever you want to do. He apparently weighs his hand. I open up my eyes. I look to my right. Everyone's down. I look behind me. Everyone's down. I look to my left. There's my wife. She and I are the only ones standing. <laughs> I said, let's sit down. <laughs> All right, again. There is reality, but there then are people that take it to a goofy point. So you need to be open to what God wants to do. Here's another situation. I don't know where people coin these, but ministers have come up with this term CDs or courtesy drops. This is where a person just falls over as a courtesy or respect to the minister just so he feels powerful that night, like the anointing is going. Don't do a courtesy job. Drop again. Let God do what he's going to do. So it's funny because I've been in meetings where I've been behind people to catch them if they do fall over. And I, I'm not kidding. I've seen this. Minister's about to pray for someone, lays hands on them. They go like this. Like, okay, I'm going to check first. Make sure somebody's behind me. All right, let's look at another thing. Casting out demons. Is casting out demons legitimate? Absolutely. Go over to Mark 16, 17, and 18. Mark 16, 17, and 18. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. How many believers do we have in here tonight? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've asked him into your heart, you've confessed him as Lord of your life. How many believers? Raise your hand up high. It's okay. Don't be shy. All right. So the Bible says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. 
That is a sign that should follow a believer. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So according to this, casting out demons is open to all believers. This is not a special gift that just certain people have. And there's people that grab a hold of it. Well, my ministry is to cast out demons. Like that's their special ministry. No, this is open to all believers. Now, the question is, can a Christian have a demon? And the answer is yes. How do I know that? Just turn around and look at some of the people next to you. No, I'm kidding. Yes, a Christian can have a demon. But here's the thing. A Christian cannot be possessed because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, if you look at a lot of the casting out of demons in the Bible, a lot of it occurred while Jesus was walking around. Those people didn't have the Holy Spirit residing in them. So as a result, I think there's probably a lot less Christians that have demons, but they can still have them. You cannot be possessed, but you can be oppressed. Your spirit is completely renewed, but your body and your mind still have work. So demons can reside in there. Now, when it comes to casting out demons, people have done goofy things. Yes, it is legitimate, but it can be goofy. I've been in meetings where someone was manifesting a demon, and these people, grab your Bibles, quick, grab your Bibles. And they started putting Bibles all on this body, thinking that the Bible was going to cast out the demon. Not scriptural. This Bible is ink and paper. Do you understand that? By itself, it has no power. It is when we take what's in there and release it out of our mouth that we activate the power in it. So we have to make sure. The Bible says you speak the name of Jesus. You command the demon to come out. You don't lay your Bible on them. Also, Demons are not the same as strongholds because the Bible says that we are to pull down strongholds, but we are to cast out demons. So we need to understand the difference between that. One of the problems when people start getting into looking at casting out demons, people get excited about that. Ooh, I want to cast out a devil. I want to be a devil caster outer. They haven't even laid hands on the sick and seen the sick recover, and all of a sudden they want to elevate to casting out demons. And one of the goofy things is when we become overly demon conscious that we think everything is a demon. People do that. Oh, you got a demon. Somebody coughs. Oh, it's a demon. Now we think it's COVID. But that's a demon too, all right? You sneeze, oh, demon just came out. You know, there was things going on years ago when uh, more people were in deliverance ministries 
that it came out that unless someone vomits, the demon ha- ha- doesn't come out. You have to vomit. So get your pail, get ready. Demons come out by vomiting. Oh, that's not true. I mean, it can be, but there's all different kinds of ways a demon can manifest. So we can't just say, oh, it's got to be a vomiting demon. Now, the other thing we need to understand is people have to have a desire to be delivered. You can't just randomly walk up to your neighbor that you know as a demon because he keeps laying his dog poop in your yard. He's obviously got a demon. You can't just walk up and cast that out of him. All right, people have to be willing. You know, there's some people that actually like their demons. They don't want to be free. They've learned how to live with their demons. So it has to be a willing party. The other thing we need to be cautious of is the Bible says that if you cast out a demon and somebody doesn't understand their authority to stand against the demon from coming back, that it'll bring seven more with it. So you randomly go cast out a demon from someone and now they don't know anything and now they're seven times worse. You have to know your authority when casting out a demon. The Bible talks about two gentlemen that saw some of the disciples casting out demons. They thought, okay, we want in on this. This looks like fun. So they tried to cast out a demon. The Bible says that the demon stripped them naked and beat them up. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. Why? Because they didn't understand their authority. So is casting out demons biblical? Yes. But we can go down a road where it can become goofy and we think everything is a demon. We need to stick with the Word of God. There's other things I was going to talk about tonight, uh, but we do not have time. I wanted so bad to get into prophecy. So the next time I teach this, we will talk about the goofiness that has taken place in prophecy. Guarding against goofiness. We stick with the Word of God, and we will not become goofy. Amen? So